Welcome back to another episode of the Did That Really Happen podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And today we have a very special guest with us. Maybe you tuned in on Tuesday and listened to us take on a very serious topic in abortion with Brother Kevin Rutherford. And today we're glad that we have an opportunity to talk about some lighthearted matters. Obviously, Kevin did an excellent job in the discussion that we had on Tuesday, but we're we're, we're grateful and glad that we can have some time now to sit back and listen to him tell us some stories. And uh, it's kind of funny that we we told him that he was going to be doing this, and he said, right now? And we said, yes, right now. And so he sat down, and he was furiously writing, and he's got a lot that he's written down. And so I'm looking forward to hearing this. But, uh, Kevin, you can go ahead and just start telling us stories, and if we think of anything, we'll jump in. If not, we'll let you keep going. All right, it sounds good. Well, I hope these stories are are interesting and not just completely dull and boring. I guess if <laughs> if they're dull, you can just erase this whole episode. But uh, you know, when you start preaching, you want to do your best to focus on the sermon, and if at all possible, you really don't want to be distracted. When I was a young preacher, just getting started, before I'd even been to preaching school, I was filling in for a preacher that was out of town, and as I'm preaching, I'm looking at the back of the auditorium. And I can see this girl is trying to get my attention. Another a teenage girl. I was a teenage guy at the time, and and here's how she was doing it. She was she was certainly not flirting with me. She she made sure she got my attention, and she took one of her fingers and shoved it up one of her nostrils. And then she waited till I looked at her again, and she put another finger in the other nostril until she had both nostrils with fingers in them and began to twist those fingers around. And she was just doing her best to completely distract me from my preaching. So I, I did my best to, to stay focused. Did she not like you or something? Man. Do you I know don't, who she was? I don't even know who she was. I don't know her name. I don't know why she was doing Maybe that. Maybe she's listening to this podcast. Oh, <laughs> I know about that. That's possible. She's sitting there thinking, the one that got away. That's right. <laughs> When I drove away, on <laughs> you know, when you're a, when you're a teenager, you you kind of want to impress um, impress the girls, and mm-hmm. and you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of them. And I remember an opportunity I had when we lived over in Knoxville. The the students from the East Tennessee School of Preaching were on their way down to the Freedom Hardman lectures, and I got to go with them. And I thought, okay, yeah, I must be great to be on a college campus, but also, you know, not just for the lectures, but because you know, there's there's Christian women there, and and so I was just sure, you know, that I would be as cool as possible. And when we got down there, we were in a in a church bus, and it had uh, snowed a little bit. It was a little bit icy. And the first thing I did when I stepped out of that bus was slip on the ice, hit my head on the on the bus, and completely humiliate myself. And uh, that was the way to start out being just really, really cool and impressive. Man. Got mom, right? <laughs> well, that's a different story. <laughs> Uh, there have been other things that have happened during church services that are really disrespectful. There was an occasion when there was a teen couple in the in the back pew and they were making out. What? Whoa, and, whoa! When? Uh, when was this? I almost uh, said something and and was hoping that somebody else would see that and and do something about it. Eventually, they 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 tried it twice. Eventually, they were uh, talked to about the situation. Uh, but there's a lot of things that go on that will distract you from from what you're doing. One time I was preaching when I was in college. I had a, a preaching appointment that uh, Tom Holland set up for me, and I guess I was such a, an, a dynamic preacher that uh, I had uh, the, uh, a very calming effect 
on song leaders because the song leader went to sleep on my preaching. <laughs> and when it was time for the invitation song, he was sound asleep on the front row. <laughs> and a brother had to come over and, and wake him up so that he could lead, uh, lead the invitation song. You know, your kids will keep you uh, humble. And I can remember Caleb being about uh, maybe maybe two years old, be three. And uh, my daughter said, Dad, I got a secret I need to tell you. I don't want Caleb to hear this secret. I got a secret to tell you. And so I was sitting on the couch, and so she came over to whisper the secret into my ear. Well, Caleb just knew he was going to hear that secret if he put his ear up to my other ear. And uh, and tried to listen that way, and of course he couldn't hear it. But he must have thought there was nothing in my head, and the sound would would go straight through. But uh, oh, you know those kind of things can can kind of humble you. Um, there was one time when when Caleb nearly got me into trouble. We were traveling. We stopped at a rest area, and there was an individual. I'm not going to describe him. That uh, Caleb was very uncomfortable about. And as that individual was coming out of the men's room, we were going in, Caleb pointed at him and just said very loudly, I don't like that man. (laughs) And that man stopped and turned around. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. But then he decided uh, not to do anything or say anything, and and he went on. He got scared when he saw me. (laughs) Yeah, when he saw a little little four-year-old Caleb. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do you know Caleb when he was little was um, very uh, very aggressive about being in charge of whatever situation he found himself in? Even then, no. <laughs> Even then, which of course, when you're little, can get you into trouble. We had him involved in soccer when he was I don't know maybe six years old. I was like Ronaldo back then, man. I believe it. Knowing yeah. your knowing your sports prowess, I do believe it. <laughs> So he had, he'd only been do- doing soccer a little while, and at his age, they would just divide the kids up into, into the fields, and, and then you would divide them up into teams, and then you'd give them opportunity to play, and you try to teach them a game. And the one that was coaching where Caleb was got the kids together, and before he could even tell them what they were going to do, what position they were going to play, and what it meant, Caleb started telling all the kids, now, I'm going to be the goalie, you're going to play this position. You're going to play this position. You're going to play that position. All right, let's go. And and he's like five or six years old, and and I had to apologize to the actual coach and go and tell Caleb now. He tells you what to do, not the other way around. You know, situations like that. Come. I didn't have a good experience with soccer. No, you, you didn't like it, did you? No, and I did, wasn't it. Didn't after the very first game, didn't I throw up? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I Okay, I don't remember a lot. Like, I just, I don't know. My memory's not that great. But I remember after our first soccer game, I ran to the park. I, it was in the parking lot, right outside the van door. That's right. Yeah. I just leaned over and hurled. <laughs> right, right I know. Um, so, Art, my town where I live, I'm involved in Parks and Rec. I'm now on the board at the time that we're recording this of advisory. But I've coached a lot of rec sports And one year they said, we really need a soccer coach. And I said, look, I know nothing about soccer other than take the ball, put it in the net. That's it. And they said, well, we're we're having you coach the five and six-year-olds. That's all they need. (laughs) So I said, okay. 
we went undefeated. <laughs> and I retired from coaching soccer. <laughs> I went out on top, baby. I'm telling I you what. Yet. But I, I don't. I don't understand how people can run that long, no. even that age. And it's the small games, you know, as yeah. far as time's concerned. But how old were you? Uh, about that age? Yeah, you're about five or six years yeah, old. So, yeah, yeah, I didn't have any kids throw up, though. So I must have conditioned <laughs> mine, you know, well. But I, I don't know. I think we had just, like, I feel like we had just eaten. Yeah, we had just eaten. And, okay. And so it was probably right on my stomach, and I just. I got gotcha. you. There it went. Hey, been there. <laughs> it's right. Been there, yeah. Well, you know, all kinds of things can happen to you when you're, when you're doing the Lord's work, when you're a preacher of the gospel, and you face all kinds of individuals with all kinds of strange ideas. Sometimes, one time after services on a Wednesday night, the congregation where I was was in the process of getting ready to sell the building, build a new building. Somebody came down front after the invitation on a Wednesday night, and he gave me a business card. And the business card had his name on it and I I identified himself as a prophet of oh, God. Oh, boy. Yeah, I remember, I remember and so he said, I am a prophet of God. Here's my card. This proves it. Here's my card. <laughs> I wish that could be a Bible verse. Like yeah. Elisha shows up to the, <laughs> here's my card. No, I'm legit. I promise you. <laughs> right. So in his mind, that, that proved it. Uh, but he said, God has told me that you all are going to give this church building to me free of charge. And I said, well, you know, if you're interested in the building, please contact the, the real estate agent and work through them. I can't, I can't do anything about uh, the building. Nice try. And then, then he had some lady with him, and he, and he called her down, and, and he just called her sister. He said, sister, sister, come here. And he said, now tell, tell this man about the vision you had. And she kind of stumbled around <laughs> as though she really had no idea what he was saying. And he's like, no, tell him about the vision you had about them giving us the building. And then she said, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I had this dream and, <laughs> and uh, we were having a meal with you in the congregation and, and the people in the congregation were, were greeting us. And, and in that dream, you said you were going to give us the church building. And he said, see, there you go. And I said, well, just talk to our real estate agents about the, the church building. And then he began to thump me in the chest saying, you dare not go against the will of God. You dare not go against the prophet of God. You are going to give us the church building. And I said, well, you know, contact the real estate agent. And I see, see how that goes for you. Uh, but that was a strange situation. And it was followed up by a group that said, we will have the building, and we will claim it, and we will claim it just as Joshua claimed the city of Jericho. So they're going to destroy the walls? They marched <laughs> around the church building seven times. No way. I'm going to guess the walls didn't fall inward. The walls didn't fall, and they didn't get the church building either. But what if that had worked? Like, what if, just, if that had worked, they wouldn't want the building anymore yeah, anyway. No. Cause what do you think was going to happen? Well, well they, that was just you, their way of claiming. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned some of those. I worked at GBN, you know, for two years, and the the line of, you know, um, the last line of defense was me when it came to Bible questions. You know, you had Don and Mark, and then you had Aaron Cozort. And if Aaron, Don, and Mark were not available, it fell upon me. And so one day, Lori... The secretary messaged me in my office and said, you have a call on line one. And I said, okay. And that's all she said. 
And so I pick up and this man starts to tell me about this dream that he'd had the night before that. And he said that he uh, he has an image on his arm like the son of God. And so he sent me a picture. I don't have it anymore. I, th- I wish I did. But it was a skin spot that he had gotten. And I wanted to tell him, you might want to go to a doctor to get that looked at. I don't think that's that's the image of the Lord. That might be an early stage of some skin cancer or something. But he told me he wanted to challenge me and that he wanted to uh, to raise people from the dead. So I told him that old adage, the phrase that we've heard for years, well, we'll go to a cemetery and I'll tell him to stay down. You tell him to get up. We'll see who wins. <laughs> and he didn't. He, he said he'd take me up on that. And so he took my number down. He never called me back. Oh, I called Lori after that call and said, don't you ever <laughs> not warn me about who's calling on line one? Because she had apparently talked to him and knew that he was crazy and still sent him through to me without a word. That yeah, that that uh, that thing on his arm was from the sun. Yes, the, a the sunspot. Sun you know, <laughs> Dad, you should have said, "Well, I got a vision," and he said, "Don't sell it to you." <laughs> he <laughs> said, "You need." He you. said, "You need to you pay for it." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. told you to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how much, you're right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's how subjective that is. But you know what amazes me is people can get in a situation like that, and he knows he's lying. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and still claim to be a prophet. But right. He, yeah, he wanted to profit <laughs> as a prophet, I guess, from that situation. Oh, man. Well, you know, my parents say when I, was, when I was little, when I was a kid, that I was ornery and very energetic, and that when Caleb uh, came into our home, that it was payback. <laughs> and uh, Caleb was ornery as well, and there were times when, you know, we would, you know, would just look at each other suddenly just in, in horror wait a minute, who's watching Caleb? And you knew you had to watch him every waking minute or, or he would do something that might hurt him or, or get him into trouble. And this one occasion where we're in the kitchen and, and that just dawned on us, wait a minute, where's Caleb? And at that time, he came walking into the kitchen uh, about a year and a half old, and he had on a, a diaper. And he had on this uh, fur animal vest that somebody had sent him from New Zealand. <laughs> and he had in his hand a piece of wooden trim with a nail sticking out of it that he had pulled off the wall. And he was waving it around as though it were some sort of weapon. <laughs> and he came walking into the kitchen all proud of himself, grunting, and we, we were just thankful that he did not hurt himself <laughs> with the nail on the end of that board he had, with his brute strength, pulled out of the wall. But oh, we were always having to watch Caleb. He was always <laughs> in the situations like that. We were, we were in some friend's home, and he was playing with a toy, and we thought he was being pretty rough. And we said, Caleb, we're going to take that away from you. And, and the mother of, of the kids that owned the toy said, oh, no, 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 no. My boys have played with that. If, if they can't tear it up, he can't either. <laughs> Well, tore it up. You tore it up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, oh, she just man. she just didn't understand, and and uh, there was an occasion where my mom and dad were going to take care of you, and uh, I said, "Now, Dad, y- you need to be r- really ready to expend a lot of energy, be vigilant. You know, Caleb will get into everything all at once." And he said, "Kevin, if I raised you, I can take care of any." <laughs> kid well after that week and we came back he he was exhausted and he said i couldn't believe it 
I couldn't believe how much energy you had. And, and, and he's got one hand in one thing, and you're trying to get that out of it, and the other hand's doing something else. And it's just absolutely amazing. So your, uh, your level of energy uh, surprised even then. So what does that mean when Kaylin and I have kids? You're in trouble. <laughs> hey, well, I'm telling you from experience, I have a three-year-old right now, and both my wife and I were trouble children. And, you know, it's being paid back tenfold. <laughs> it's, it's rough. You're telling me Adam is an ornery kid. Adam is psycho. <laughs> I, I, I will say that in, in the nicest way possible, but my child is psychotic at times. He, he is just so crazy. Awesome. And he's, he's definitely given me a run for my money, <laughs> you know. So what was Kaylin like as a uh, was she Yeah, I, maybe she'll balance it out. You might maybe get lucky there. If, if Kaylin was a good child, you know, there's only a 50-50 chance. I don't know. She's well, probably crazy too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's Kaylin, right? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I will tell you this, you know, with my with our first kid, uh, Vicky and I, you know, we were young. We didn't really know what we were doing, but we thought we did. And, and, and she was so uh, obedient, so simple to raise. And we would look at other people's kids, and they were rowdy and out of control. And we would think, what is wrong with those parents? <laughs> and our, our kid was so well behaved. Every time, anywhere we went, all, I mean, it was just it was constant. And, and we just knew we were expert parents. But then uh, there's Caleb comes along and all of a sudden, wait a minute, we don't even know what we're doing. What's going on here? Why can't we get this kid to behave? Why can't we get him to listen? And it, and it was the total opposite. So we were we were in quite a bit of shock at, at first. And and uh, there was so much energy that it took to, to keep Caleb from hurting himself or getting into trouble that we just thought we might die before we had him raised. But here he is, a, a gospel preacher. So I guess it worked out okay. I guess so. I yeah. guess so. Uh, you know, uh, my parents say I was ornery too. I do remember a few occasions. I know nobody will believe that, but I do remember a few occasions <laughs> where I might have shown a little orneriness. My brother is younger than me, and so his bedtime was a little bit earlier than mine. So I thought, well, I will take advantage of this situation, and when it's his bedtime, I'm just going to go on into his into the bedroom there, and and I'm going to hide under the bed. So that when he comes to bed, I'll already be under the, oh under boy. there. And so uh, he's getting getting ready for bed. And and before he gets in, he sits down on the edge of the bed like most people do. So I just reached down and grabbed his ankle. Oh, man. <laughs> and he screamed and jumped in the air and, and turned around while he was in the air facing the bed and was just standing there screaming. And I just crawled out from under the bed laughing. Well, needless to say, mom and dad were not too impressed this was last week that you did this do you think i'm still ornery like that do you, do, do you think i would do that so last time you went to australia right you did that too man I, I, I played a few tricks on my sister too uh, there was a, a time when we were at a, a family camp over in australia and uh, some of us were were just running around in the dark and i don't know if we were playing tag or what we were doing it was a big old farmer who was a member of the church, just strong as can be. He saw me running. He just stuck out his arm for some reason in front of me. I guess he thought that'd be funny. <laughs> and so I, I just ran into him, you know, with my face and, uh, you know, of course, fell flat on my back. 
<laughs> and uh, when I stood up, I realized my nose was bleeding. I thought, hmm. <laughs> I don't know why he did that. But he walked away. And then I realized, you no, know, after a few minutes, everybody else was gone except this was up at the bathhouse, which was probably a quarter-mile walk from, from where we were camped. My sister and her friend were still up there. So I, I know what I'll do with this. And so I, I let uh, the, oh, this is not too gross, the blood run down under my arm and my hand and through my fingers. <laughs> oh, man. I, I laid down on the ground just outside the, the women's bathroom there where they couldn't see me but just my arm and hand and just kind of let it flop over. Oh, boy. <laughs> when my sister's friend came out, she screamed in, in horror, and then my sister screamed, and, and they were frozen in fear. And I just got black, walked back to camp. Uh, probably, I don't know, 30 minutes later, Dad's shaking my tent. He says, Kevin, get back up there. Get your sister. She's afraid to come back down. Get, get back up there and get your <laughs> sister and bring her back down. So uh, I guess I, I maybe took that one a little too far. Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> My mom still gets mad when I tell this story. So, Mom, if you're listening, I love you. My mom was texting me when I was coming back home from somewhere <clears throat> and I was texting her as if I was stopped somewhere. I wasn't driving, but I was texting her as if I was driving, that I was texting and driving. And she said, that's not safe. And I texted back. No, it's fine. And then I hit send as if I'd gotten hit. <laughs> and then she texted me. I did not answer. <laughs> She called me. I did not answer. That's she awesome. called and called for like five minutes. And I finally picked up and I said, hello. And she said, you're going to die when you get home, basically. <laughs> you're not so already dead. You know, that was, uh, that was cruel. I don't know that. I think you might be okay for what you did. It was nice, but at least you didn't make your mother think you died in a car accident. Uh, I, I've got to say, Michael, I do feel a whole lot better about myself now <laughs> that you've told me that. <laughs> didn't you, um, Dad, didn't you kill a, a frog? Or something oh. that, that Aunt Debbie had. You're going to get me in trouble now. But yeah, my sister had, when <laughs> we, lived in, we lived in Africa, my sister had captured this massive bullfrog, and they were all around. They were just, <clears throat> just huge over there. And she was so, so proud of it. And she wanted to keep it as a pet. And so she and her friend went into the house to find some sort of uh, cage or something like that that could keep the, the frog in. And, and she said, here, hold this, Kevin. So <laughs> there I am. I was probably four years old or so at the time. I still remember it. Maybe I was five. I don't think it was any older than that. And I remember looking at this big, massive frog in my hands. And I remember thinking about my sister. She wants this frog. And then I saw a, a big truck coming down the, the gravel road in front of the farm where we lived in Africa. And I looked at the frog. I looked at the truck. looked at the frog. looked at the truck. And right at the last minute, I threw the frog out in front of the truck. <laughs> And he landed right in front of the tire, and the, you know there was impeccable aim, was <laughs> impeccable aim, right down. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Man. that was the end of the frog. <laughs> Needless to say, my sister was very unhappy with what I had done to the frog. And, uh, if I had, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do that. Just, just for the record. But yeah, I did do that. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. that's, we would have gotten along very well. Very well. Yeah, I guess that was pretty honor. Okay. I killed a frog too once. <laughs> I killed a rabbit once. I don't know. Well, you know so 
I want to hear that first. Go, go. No, no. I want to hear Kevin's. Kevin's. Uh, uh-uh. uh. It's enough for me to say. You go first. Yeah, at St. Peter's, um, there was uh, we had rabbits all over the place, and I mean, like I had a we we were always outside like playing ball and stuff. I had a baseball in my hand. I saw the rabbit. And I I just I nailed it right. In the oh my god! And like, and a day later, it was I could I didn't know where it went after that. And a day later, I walked. It didn't know where it went after that yeah. either. You it, it like jumped and like like flipped in the air. No, it's probably like, I'm probably went immediately brain dead or something. I don't know. So I killed the rabbit. Well, we did I, have a lot of rabbits. In it's our just, yard. just just trying to keep the pesky Yeah, you know? I, I uh, <laughs> so we had th- to this day. This is one of those stories that I got in trouble so bad doing this. My dad did a gospel meeting somewhere in Tennessee. And we were staying with a family while we were there, and we were shooting BB guns. Well, I like, saw a frog. Guns or BB guns. BB guns. Okay. <laughs> I saw a frog, and I, I've always been a pretty good shot. And so I sniped it, and it kind of rolled over and was was not moving much. For some reason, the four of us then decided. To torture this frog. <laughs> and just kept shooting the frog. And then someone else lit the frog on fire. <laughs> and so this was... And we, we didn't think anything of it, you know. And then the mother of who we were staying with comes around the corner and is livid. Understandably so. Yeah. Now that I look back on I was very young at the time. I was like, I was like 18 or 19. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was probably... Right before you went to school. I was, I was probably like 8 to 10. One of, yeah. one of those three years of my life. But we got in so much trouble. Like, we were all put in timeout. And we were all separated. <laughs> and I also had the unfortunate you know, mishap of... I was shooting my BB gun in my parents' yard. And I went to shoot, and like right as I shot, you, you've seen those clips of the baseball guy that killed a bird with the pitch as he was throwing. A cat jumped out in front of my target and got hit right in the eye and died. Just right there. And I was like, what just happened? Because <laughs> I wasn't aiming at the cat. But yeah, you know, so um, I didn't ever intentionally kill a rabbit, though. I did. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know what? I, you guys are in big trouble. I, I think we need to, we need to change subjects here or, or let, let's do this. Let's just talk about, uh, some, uh, kindness. There we go. Shown to animals so we can kind of balance, balance this out. I remember one time when <laughs> Caleb found a, a baby rabbit. I remember that. Caught yeah. up in a drain pipe and, uh, he, he wanted to take care of that rabbit and he held on to that rabbit. I got several pictures of it. And uh, he was extremely gentle with that little that. little baby rabbit. Uh, we've got some dogs, or I should say, my kids do. Cape and Caitlin have one, and and uh, Hannah has one. Lauren's got a dog as well. And uh, those dogs, all three, are they're just spoiled. <laughs> and uh, they they think that they're people, and they're treated in many respects like people. So I just want you to know if any, if you're listening to this. That uh, we have changed. We're not psycho serial <laughs> we, have, we have changed. <laughs> we, we've seen a, the light. Change that has taken <clears throat> taken place here. Uh, the newest dog in our family is my oldest daughter's dog, and and uh, he is a golden doodle. He's seven months old, and he is massive. Yeah, he's he is absolutely massive. I I can't remember his weight right now, but he's huge. 
but he's got this uh, this look on his face, like some sort of I don't know, uh, a surfer dude or something. He's got this hair, and it comes over in his eyes, and and he's always happy, and he's always smiling. His mouth's always wide open, and uh, and his tongue hanging out. And you you can you can't look at him without thinking that's the cutest dog you've ever seen. But he's massive. And you can't look at him without thinking he's also the goofiest dog I've ever seen too. <laughs> But that dog is so, so smart. And it's amazing how animals will react to you, how they'll support you. And, and the dogs we have in our family, you know, for example, my, my youngest daughter's dog, if, if something's not going well, she's, she's upset a little bit, that dog knows. And that dog is going to go over, and that dog's going to comfort her. And that dog's gonna gonna try to help her. So anyway, I thought I'd throw in a, a few. A <laughs> yeah, few we need we need nice that balance this out. That's right. yeah, balance this out. I re- I remember, and we were living in St. Charles again. And I think I still think that mom to this day thinks I did this on purpose. I think she does. Um, I promise, y'all hear it here. Y'all hear it here. I did not do this on purpose. I promise. Mm-hmm. But and you get, I, get you, some more stories ready, Kevin. We <laughs> might need them after this. <laughs> but. We had that basketball goal, right? Oh, yeah. And we lived on a cul-de-sac. And mm-hmm. I was on the other end of the cul-de-sac, like the one like, opposite side of our house. <laughs> you remember what I was about to say, right? No, the I basketball? Yeah. Say, yeah. And I have, okay, like I have, I've always had pretty decent aim. It's gotten worse over the years because I haven't played any sports in a while. But back then I had pretty good aim. And I took that basketball and I just chucked it. I was literally on the other side. I mean, how, what was it like? I don't know. 30 yards, 40 yards. It was a good 50 yards. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was I, I just chucked yards. it as hard as I could. <clears throat> and I, what is it called? Like, have you seen those videos like on Facebook or something that they like drop the ball over the edge and it's, it doesn't go straight down. It, it like curves. It, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, what's that called? I don't remember what that's, what uh, that's called. I've seen that done at like <laughs> yeah. the Hoover dam or right, something right, exactly. like that, where it's got that curvature. So it, like, it has like, it's going down so far that it like moves direction. Like it doesn't just go straight down. Okay. That's literally what happened. I chucked the ball right at the goal and it moves towards the left uh and <laughs> lauren my oldest oh, sister no. was standing right there and i saw it and I, I i also yelled move i'm pretty sure i did and she just she just kind of like looked around i was like what and the ball did her right in the head and i'm not laughing because it's not funny but to this day i think mom's done i did that on purpose well was you telling us about the rabbit i'm thinking you did it on purpose too well the ball went the basketball went through the branches of a tree oh that's right and still had enough power and it hit, didn't it knock her down I don't it was but i remember she ran inside and i was like oh boy yeah, that, reminds, that reminds me of the time i shot my mom with a bb gun no i'm kidding <laughs> No, <laughs> I also here we go again. I also shot a like a bird. Oh. <laughs> I told you, Kevin, you need more stories. You, know what? you guys need to. Man, we need to get off this we, podcast. You need to hey, Kevin, you uh, you go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll quit talking. How about we get on to something a little more serious? Let's let's talk about some serious stories. Okay. Uh, have you ever been threatened as a preacher? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have too. You know, I had a guy telling me. You know, you better walk away. Oh, when I went up to talk to him and greet him as a visitor, he said, "You need to walk away." And to this day, I, I don't fully understand what he was upset about. But then he would come for some time after that, and he would uh, uh, he would interrupt and he would say things in the back of the, the auditorium to interrupt the class and disagree with what I was saying. And 
it became a problem for for quite a while. Um, but sometimes you just wonder what's what's going on. Why would a why would a person be like that? <laughs> sometimes you get members that are mad at you, and and they'll chew you out. You know, within a few minutes of getting up to preach, you know, and and you're trying to focus, yeah, on worshiping God, glorifying God with what you're doing, and focusing on your lesson. And and somebody's just been angry with you and and chewed you out. So it's it's hard to focus in situations like that. But yeah, it's amazing what people will do to you without any full without fully understanding. You know what's involved in in preaching. Uh, I know a lot of preachers go on mission trips, and you have all kinds of things happen on mission trips. One of the most memorable for me was a time when when I went to Zambia with uh, with my dad and some others. And when we got to Zambia, there was uh, supposed to be someone that would come and and uh, bring us a vehicle to use. Uh, no, he was going to he was going to transport us. He was going to do the driving and and carry us to different places where we we're going to do meetings. And he didn't show up. And money had been sent ahead of time for him to be there and to take care of his meals, things like that. He didn't, he just didn't show up. So we stayed in a motel uh, for a night while somebody who was in the church brought a, an old truck up from a farm. And, and the truck wasn't in the best of shape. And throughout this mission trip, we continually had problems uh, with, the, with the truck. But this was the same mission trip where we went through the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And uh, the, the soldiers there accused us of being U.S. spies. Uh, and my dad had to talk them, convince them that that was not the case. Uh, we showed them what we had in the truck, which was Bibles and tracts and things such as that. And then we got to the other end, and we were going back into Zambia, and um, there were several of them there with guns. I mean, they you're going to do what they say. And uh, they, they took a big part of our money. And uh, dad convinced them to leave us with some because he says, I know you're just going to spend it on, on beer. And they said, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's right. And he <laughs> said, well, you know, this is, this is for the church. This is for the gospel, and this is for feeding people, which it was. Uh, we still had enough to, to feed the people where we, where we were, but they took a lot of it. So you have situations like that that, that are very difficult at times. But that whole trip, several things went wrong. And uh, on the way back down south, we came back into Zambia, and the checkpoint was marked by a tree that was put down in the road and dad was driving the truck and he didn't realize that was the checkpoint at first. So he drove around that tree and then he stopped when he realized what it was and he looked up and there was a guardhouse and there was a soldier full combat gear, grabbed a bayoneted rifle and came running down the hill at us. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and dad convinced that soldier to let him go up and talk to the, the commander and so while that soldier was down there with myself and the other guy that was in the truck, you know, we had to convince him, you know, we're Christians. We're just taking the gospel to people and we're taking food to people. And then we gave him some tracks, gave him some food. And then, then he calmed down, realized what was going on. Dad talked to the commander. Commander accepted, you know, what was going on. But, well, it looked pretty pretty scary there for a little <laughs> while. That guy came charging down the hill with his, his bayoneted rival all angry with us. But on that same trip, we got down to the southern part of Zambia. And we were trying to find a farmhouse. They had some, some bunkhouses there at the farm. And we were going to stay in those bunkhouses for the night before we went on further south into Botswana uh, through Zimbabwe. But we, we, we got lost. It was dark. The, one of the headlights went out on the truck. So we've got one headlight, and it's very dim. We stopped. We asked for some directions at what they would call a petrol station. And the directions these people gave us took us to the top of an old quarry and there was about a 70 foot drop 
and there were no barricades where the road ended. And so we were just flying down this gravel road in the middle of the night trying to get to where we needed to be. And all of a sudden, Dad just slams on the brakes. He's not sure why. He just thought, I, I need to, I don't know what's up ahead. And he slammed on the brakes, you know, gravel and dirt <laughs> up in the air. And, and uh, we get out, get our flashlights, and we look. And we were within just a few feet of, of a 70-foot <laughs> drop-off into a quarry. Oh, man. And uh, almost, almost, uh, that was almost the end right there. You might have made it. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. To paradise. Car would have cushioned the fall, right? Yeah, you know, if you, my dad, my dad, anytime we watch a movie and there's some explosion, he'll, he'll go, they might be all right. <laughs> <laughs> they might be well, in yeah. movies you never know yeah, that's, right. Be, yeah, that's right <laughs> oh man so yeah all kinds of things can happen to you when, well when you're preaching the gospel i gotta tell one on kevin before we go oh, <laughs> and i know kevin knows what i'm going to talk about because i talk about this with kevin all the time when i worked at gbn we decided that we were going to record foundations one year oh I, I, this, I is, this. this is my favorite thing about kevin because kevin is an excellent gospel preacher but he is a mover when he preaches. At least he was then. Are you still moving like you did then? Well, I will tell you this. I was illustrating some. Sure. But bo- <laughs> sure. both both Rutherfords, including Caleb, y'all like to move when you preach. You don't stay behind the pulpit the whole sermon, correct? Sometimes. Sometimes. This, this, I think you do it more when you teach class. Yeah, I think so too. When, you teach, when you're kind of in a class today, I think you move more. Than, I'd, and I'd forgotten right. to tell them that there's a cutoff point, you know, as all cameras, cameras are. Right. And so we had three shots set up, and Jameson Stewart and I were actually recording that week. And I had to crawl under the cameras the way the setup was to get back to the station to direct. And I got back there, and I looked down to, to plug something in to use it, and I look up, and Kevin is gone. <laughs> And I can still hear him, and I look over, and he has completely walked out of frame, and he's talking to a bunch of people. I thought, okay. And to his credit, I thought, maybe he's illustrating something. So he comes back, and he does it again. And so I went and put tape down, and I told Kevin, I said, do not cross this tape. You can walk anywhere in this area, but do not pass this tape. And so to this day, if they still air that from time to time, Kevin just disappears out of frame. But it's it's better than what Curtis Cates did to us the very first year of Foundations. Curtis Cates was teaching about the importance of, of the book of Genesis and our love for the gospel through the, the eyes of the Genesis writer. And he, uh, he said something, and he walked out of class for five minutes. <laughs> and all of us are sitting there going, do we leave? What do we do? Because we, we're not in the Memphis School of Preaching at this time, but we're at the location in the second-year classroom. And he walked right back in five minutes later, still teaching. So I don't know what he had to go do or why he did that. It was obviously an illustration. You know, he, he's often been known for that, you know, when he preached in his lifetime that he would make crazy, you know, gestures and other things and prostrate himself over a pulpit to illustrate the point and and so, uh, you know, you didn't leave the classroom. I'll give you credit. You know, you, you stayed, you taught, but I, I'd still laugh every time I think about that. And then when I watch Caleb preach every now and then on the East Hill live stream, I think he's just like his daddy. <laughs> he likes to walk well, around. <laughs> I need to make a defense of myself. Oh, here we go. Here we <laughs> just, go. <laughs> just a little bit. If I remember correctly, that was in a class where we were talking about 
presentation in preaching. I mean, I don't know. I, just was, <laughs> I, know, you, you were I was I was you recording, were recording. Exactly. Right, right. Wasn't listening. So my, my, you think I was point, paying attention? <laughs> if I remember right, my point was in some situations you probably should stay behind the pulpit because some people are not comfortable. This is very convenient. We don't preaching. have the film to check. Right, right. <laughs> well, and then I said, but, you know, if you read communications books, they'll say remove any barriers between you and the audience and you'll communicate more effectively. And so I was showing that. But then I said, now, some movement is also good and the movement should flow naturally from what you're saying. So then I did some very artificial movements and I said, don't do this. This is not the kind of thing that will be very effective. But then I also said, if you want to walk around a little bit, there's nothing wrong with that, but but do it in a way that really fits what you're saying and in a way that doesn't distract from what you're saying. And so then I walked back and forth very quickly and I said, look at this, it looks like a lion pacing in, in a case. I said, don't do this because this is going to distract people and they're not going to be able to hear what you're saying because they're, they're watching you. So I was all over the place. Describing that. <laughs> Dad just referenced himself as a lion. <laughs> so, like a, so, if you're right, no, if you're right, these kids must have been like so surprised when they saw me put tape down and say, don't walk around. <laughs> They're probably like, like he just oh, said to walk around. He just said we could do that. Now you're putting tape down. <laughs> what do we do, man? Oh, or they might have thought, man, Michael's disrespectful to this yeah. <laughs> This preacher of the gospel, don't you move. Maybe maybe it was me that was disrespectful to the GBN crew. Well, not you know, recognizing it the wasn't, limits of their camera angles. All I have to say is he's he's gonna preach tomorrow night. Make right. sure he's wearing a lapel. He they're not allowed to move. Uh, oh <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not. I'll put yeah, the tape I'll put the tape down. I'll put the, no, can wait, I stand by, next to the pool? Hey, by his stand behind it. Talk to Jonathan because <laughs> hey, he just helped me out by his reaction to that. Oh, seriously, <laughs> he just proved <laughs> he got so concerned. Wait, think, what? Well, I think they do that for camera shots so they don't have to go change him every sure, speaker. Sure, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure. So and I, I will not be running camera behind the pulpit. Behind yes. the pulpit. Gotcha. Okay. I'll put the tape down do if you, it helps. Do you, you not stay behind the, the pulpit anymore? Me. No, I. Oh, okay. I decided I would be like my son and come out from behind <laughs> the pulpit. Yeah, well, because I mean, when I was there in North Carolina, you always stood behind the pulpit. And I did too. But now that I'm in at East Hill, I, I stand always to the left of the pulpit. I got, out, and, and I, I, that's where I like move. I got a question because I've, I've wanted to ask this and I've never had both of you in the same room to ask you this. When y'all were during the, during the beginning stages of the pandemic, was that y'all's house or did y'all have a studio? <laughs> we have a, stu- we have a GBN affiliate studio. Hey. Okay, because I wonder, because I mean, I didn't know, because, you know, you have people, I know Brother David Stafford had to record in his house, right. some and others, and I th- I thought at first, before we talked, I, I started to think it was the studio after we started yeah. talking, but I thought, man, their setup <laughs> is amazing for well, being in a, a house. We had a graphic, de- or not graphic designer, an interior designer, um, a lady who goes to church there. Um, yeah, an interior designer helped develop the sets. Yeah, no ferns. There were no ferns in the. Yes, that's right. I was, I was. It impressed. was very modern. <laughs> Mark Teske came up and did the yeah. technical aspect. There you go. Course. And then we they, had a member of the church that did the. And the he, set for he, they got a Yamaha MG10XU. Hey, just like we got. Yeah, guys have so. Uh, Kevin, we're glad that you were on the program. I know, like the last what twenty minutes maybe of this was us <laughs> just shooting the breeze, not even telling stories, right. but. Um, 
we're grateful for Kevin to be on the program and we're grateful that uh, we have this new outlet, you know, to kind of talk about some things that have happened. And, you know, maybe you've got stories or something that might have happened to you, but you don't want to share them in a public fashion and you'd like to have them anonymously shared. Send them to the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com and we'll read them for you. And, uh, you know, obviously they need to be appropriate. And they need to be uh, anonymous as yes. best as they can. We're not. That's right. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do anything that can't be said on the network. So, but if you got something that happened to you, but you just you couldn't feel comfortable telling it on the air because you don't want to be on the record, uh, we'd be happy to do that. And we've got a great season planned with all of these other preachers that have had things happen to them and stories upon stories. And I know tomorrow we'll be recording with my dad as far as the time that we're recording this is concerned. And uh, the discussion back and forth banter against Caleb that happened today (laughs) is going to happen to me tomorrow. And so I had to get my licks in because I know (laughs) I know tomorrow it's all on me. And so uh, it's okay to laugh. We're glad that we have an opportunity to especially, you know, talking about such a serious topic on Tuesday to have this time to, to talk and to laugh and to share stories that have happened to us and just being brethren, you know, fellowship is is sometimes fun and sometimes fellowship is being there for people when you need them. But it's, it's nice when you can just kind of sit down and enjoy each other's company. I know the truth and love lectureship that brother Kevin's up here for is a great opportunity for that. And next year, if you want to come, it's in the second week of May, usually. Uh, Yeah. Second week, something like that. And so, uh, you know, the dates, we'll, we'll try to post the dates on the scattered abroad network, you know, to, to advertise it because we're always there. But uh, if you want to come and visit, I know they'd be happy to have you. And there's always a great theme. This is the 30th year that they're doing this year. So uh, brother Kevin gets to be a part of that with about 16 other men, uh, 17 total. And so we're glad that he was able to come up here a little earlier and record with us and give us some summer content for you. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for another Through Their Eyes episode. Don't forget as well, check out the show notes, check out the social media links, and Brother Kevin, you got something else you want to add? I just need to add this. Uh It's kind of like the fine print. (laughs) I hope that everybody will understand who who I was associating with in this podcast (laughs) and that this will not ruin my my reputation as a gospel preacher. Wow. Thanks. It was already ruined. Well, just so you know. We had a slot open, and so we thought, well, who can we fill it with? Yeah, I, I mean, guess we, my dad. I guess, I guess Kevin, you know, he's been hooked yeah. up, by the way, to a lapel this whole time. He's been pacing the room, you know. Right. So, <laughs> you just side the tape. Yep, he's been, uh, he's been around. So we're glad that you're with us on this podcast. Check out the social media links, and as always, tune in next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.